basic underwater demolition seal training, Coronado, California, Bud's class 206. Second phase, dive phase. We're about two and a half weeks in to uh, what is known as second phase or dive phase. And we were learning closed circuit rebreather, otherwise known as a drager, uh, underwater navigation using a compass. And uh, our class at that time had gone from about 130 down to about 26. We had a pretty small class at that time. And so a lot of attention was on us from the SEAL instructors. Um, we'd had a pretty pretty rugged hell week and lost a lot of people. And so uh, the weeks prior uh, starting dive phase, you learn open circuit diving. And uh, also you go through what's, pool, what's known as pool comp. And they're evaluating your competency underwater and putting a lot of stress on you while you're holding your breath for a very long time. Um, if you've seen the pictures of people's hands and feet tied up, bobbing around in the water and um, wrestling around in the water and things like that, that's what they're doing. How does somebody react when they can't breathe and they're underwater and they think they're going to drown? Um, and so we had all made it through that phase. For me, I barely made it through the pool camp, comp, and that's, that's a whole other story. Uh, I was about 145 pounds and just couldn't sink to the bottom. Um, anyway, I'll share that with you some other time. But we'd moved on to the next phase, and we're pretty stoked about it. Uh, my dive partner, a uh, close buddy of mine, John Timar, who's actually the COO over at Killcliffe currently, uh, we, uh, we'd been doing pretty good. Uh, we've been doing some underwater day and night navigation dives. It's, it, sometimes they last two, three hours, sometimes longer. And, um, like I said, we've been knocking these things out. We've been getting done early, rinsing off our gear and getting out of the instructors all watching eye, right? Anything you did wrong. Um, you know, it, it just, the stress level there was always at a high, high level. Instructors were watching you closely, you know, on top of underwater navigation, you're learning, you know, dive physics, uh, you're getting room inspections, uh, uniform inspections, uh, you're doing all sorts of classroom work on top of that. And then you have nighttime dives that you're getting ready for and uh, setting up all your gear. If it's not perfect, your whole class is getting, uh, you know, getting beat. And so, yeah, you got a lot of stress on you. And, but we've been doing pretty good. We were real comfortable on the water and uh, you always dive in a pair. So you plan your dive on a, uh, on a chart um, and you plan it so you can get into the target area and out with, uh, with enough, with enough air to not come to the surface is the idea. Right. Um, but how they track you on the surface of the water is you, you drag around a buoy. You're only about 20 feet underwater swimming about one knot and a little buoy with a, with a chem light on it, a glow stick kind of, and they can follow you all, all over the place. And if they see you going off in a different direction, they'll pull on your buoy. You come up, they'll yell at you and you move off. Uh, you reacquire your target and move off in that direction. So anyway, we've been doing pretty good. Uh, we didn't got our buoy pulled up and, uh, it, it wasn't extremely hard. There's right in Coronado Bay and San Diego Bay. There's uh, inactive ships on the other side and that was basically your target. And so you had to go in there, uh, put a limpet mine underneath the ship near the, near the, near the screw or the rudder and, and get off target. Uh, the problem with using a compass underwater when you get next to a ship is the compass, 
reacts to the magnetism of the ship. Uh, well, not the, it would be the steel, right? Uh, it throws off the compass, and you can miss the target, or you can come off the target, and all sorts of things can happen underwater, right? You're trying to keep your depth control. Um, you're trying to be quiet, right? You don't want to kick your fins on the surface, all sorts of stuff. And the buoy only allows you to really to go about 20 feet underwater, maybe 30 feet uh, before uh, the buoy will prevent you from going any further underwater. And between your dive buddy, you have a, a buddy line that's clipped on between you uh, for safety reasons. And so you're diving together in a pair. One person is navigating with the compass and the other buddy is just swimming along, uh, making sure he's on the right path. And you're really following a time speed distance. So you're going uh, uh, on a compass direction. Say you're going 10 degrees for you know five minutes, and then you're going to turn uh, 90 degrees for you know 15 minutes. And uh, ideally, that should take you to your target and get you off so you can exfil. Um, but that doesn't always happen. <laughs> so. Anyway, back to the story. We were doing pretty well. The stress level wasn't very high for myself and John. Uh, we feel pretty good about ourselves. Um, but for whatever reason, at that time in, uh, in our class, we had uh, some Air Force pararescue and CCT guys come in to go through dive phase with us, to go through specifically the closed circuit diving phase. I don't know why we weren't privy to it, but they just showed up. And, uh, yeah, these guys are 90% of them squared away, good to go. Um, 10% of them had no idea what they were getting into. You know, we'd already been through what, 13, 14 weeks of just getting the ass kicked out of us through first phase and went from, you know, like I said, 120, 130 guys down to about 26 guys. And we were, we were pretty tough at that point. Uh, we've gone through a lot together and here these guys roll in and what they did is they spread out the air force guys uh between a number of our dive pairs and now you got now you're diving with three guys underwater and stress level goes way up um these guys were pretty new at the time they're going through their pipeline to become pararescue and combat controllers and so they're new to it too and um now you have to plan with three guys underwater um which can turn into a big just rat nest um and that's exactly what happened to us on this particular dive I'll share with you because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about stress. We're talking about overthinking and what happens when, uh, not when, but if it happens to you because everybody has, has been stressed out. Everybody has been uh, in that moment where you just start to overthink a situation and then you get stressed out and, and it's awful, right? And that's, that's exactly what happened here. Uh, this Air Force guy came in and we had to plan our dive with three people. Um, we didn't think it was necessarily a big deal at the time. Uh, hey, we'll just clip him on to uh, another buddy line and he'll be the, just the third guy just swimming with us. And we'll navigate through this. We only have 10 or 15 dives left. Let's do this. Let's get it done. Well, that particular night, the objective was to um, go underneath this aircraft carrier that was over there. Um, put all three of our limpets on the boat and uh, get off the target and get to the extract in the allotted amount of time. Um, so not not too difficult. We had a pretty long uh, what's called a turtleback in where you're on the surface of the water and you're you're just swimming on the surface because you, they 
puts you in so far out that you can't actually dive underwater to the target that far. You'll run out of um, you'll run out of your uh, the duration of the Draeger. Uh, about 240 minutes, what you have on there, depending on how much you breathe it down. But what that rebreather is doing is it's just recycling and scrubbing uh, scrubbing your air. And you have a small 100% oxygen bottle on there that adds a little bit of air to it. And you can you could dive for a very long time in in shallow water. You can't go deep with this type of rebreather because the oxygen level and it's toxic at at depth. Anyway, um, so we start our dive. We got a three man crew. We got a buddy line between me and John, and then the Air Force guy is uh, is clipped onto. I'm in the middle. He's clipped onto me on the. Uh, right-hand side, John is on my left-hand side, and John is navigating with a compass, and we kick off on our dive. Uh, pretty uneventful for the first uh, leg that we're going across the harbor. So underwater, we're going, okay, we got like 15-minute leg at uh, 12 degrees, and then what you do is what's called boxing into the ship. You just do 90 degrees directly into the ship. You can't miss an aircraft carrier, right? I mean, the thing is massive. Um, so we're coming into the aircraft carrier, uh, everything's going well. Um, as you get in close to the aircraft carrier, it, diving at night, it's dark underwater, right? It's pitch black. You don't have any lights. You have a little tiny green chem light that lights up your compass and, and your watch, but you're just blacked out. But when you go underneath a humongous ship, like an aircraft carrier at night, it turns inky black. Like you cannot see anything except for the glow of the compass. And you can barely see that. So you're literally touching each other when you're your shoulder to shoulder when you're going under this thing and it's it's pretty spooky it's like you're just going to the mouth of a monster it's it's kind of crazy and there's all sorts of noises going on under there you can see uh, uh, there's what's called sea chests on these ships that are sucking in massive amounts of water that you got to stay away from all sorts of clicking from the shrimp and different things like that um, and so the stress level goes up quite a bit because you can't see in front of you. you. You literally can't see until your head hits the side of the hole of the ship. Um, and so you slow down as you start to swim in. Um, so we started swimming in the ship. It's getting darker and darker and darker. And obviously we know we're going to hit this thing. And you don't know if you're going to hit the center of the ship or towards the bow or, or after. You try to aim towards the center and then you know all you do is just, hey, I'm going to go to the right because that's I know that that's the back of the ship from doing the map study and and looking at the target so um we go down as deep as we can with the buoy um that's about 25 feet or so uh because you want to get down pretty deep in the ship in case anybody's looking over the side and sees uh you know some you know the green light on your compass um which was almost impossible to see anyway so we we swim down deep um I feel the buoy because I have to hold on to the buoy. I got to drag the stupid buoy around, which is which is uh, <laughs> whole another level of stress, and you get pissed off because the buoy gets caught on everything. And then uh, John gets ticked off because he's trying to navigate, and if I mess him up with the buddy line, and the buoy gets stuck on things. Well, the buoy uh, got hung up on the outside of the ship. Right as we go underneath the ship, it gets it hits the hole, and we can't really go any deeper than that. And I pull on his buddy line because I got to stop him because I'm stopped by the buoy. Um, but as I look over, you know, and I, I say it's super dark, but you, I can see my buddy line coming off me to the Air Force guy. And at that exact moment when I look over, 
you know, as we're all swimming into the ship, I'm, I'm caught up on the buoy because the buoy is attached to me. Well, the Air Force guy is supposed to be attached to me with the buddy line. The buddy line, literally, as I look at it, comes unclipped. The, uh, the little clip was kind of frozen from the salt water, and it wasn't clipped shut. And it, it dangles off. It just literally falls off of the Air Force guy. Air Force guy doesn't know we had stopped, right? He had just was swimming next to us. Um, but it's so dark under there, uh, you know, six inches away, you don't know where anybody is. And he swims off into the, just literally, I can't reach out and grabs his, grab his fin fast enough. Um, you can see a little bioluminescence as his fins are kicking underwater, but he just disappears underneath the ship. And that's about the worst thing that can happen in dive phase every single day they're telling you do not lose your dive buddy you're done for you'll get kicked out you know you'll be done with training if you lose your dive buddy that's the worst thing and that could ever happen and it just happened to us you know like i said we're doing pretty good up to that point but um here we go we just lost the air force guy he disappeared underneath the ship I pulled on John's line and he must have known what happened because, you know, we're mask to mask looking at each other. My eyes are about, you know, the size of, the size of dinner plates. And of course you can't talk underwater, but I grabbed the uh, buddy line that was attached to the Air Force guy and I hold it up right in front of his mask and I point off into the, uh, <laughs> into the, the abyss and he's just like in disbelief, like what? <laughs> like almost like blaming me like how could you lose the guy how could you lose the air force guy he's gone and what do you do you're paralyzed right and what start running through my mind i just start thinking about all the bad things that, could, that are going to happen um one who knows if we're ever going to see the air force guy again right he swims off into the into the abyss he's gone um and what's going to happen to us when they find out that we lost the air force guy we lost our swim buddy it's like the worst thing could have happened. And so like idiots, you know, we start swimming around on the side of the ship underwater looking for him. You know, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, And how are we going to find somebody? We don't have a flashlight. We, you know, just randomly bumping into somebody is, uh, is nearly impossible. And so we had no choice. We had to... We had to come to the surface. We had to tell the tell the SEAL instructors, hey, we lost a guy. Um, but the funny thing is, as we start to come up to the surface, we're still in like sneaky mode and we come up next to our buoy. <laughs> we thought for a moment before we told the instructors, like, hey, maybe, maybe the guy is uh, cruising around on the surface looking for us, like sneaking underneath the pier that's next to the ship and we could link up somehow and salvage this thing. I mean, we're way behind schedule, and and so we pop up next to our buoy and start looking around. Uh, and <laughs> I remember John like calling the guy's name. <laughs> it was so stupid. Anyway, the structures were right on top of us, and just just yelled at us instantly, "Get up to the surface!" And because they had found the Air Force guy on the other side of the ship looking for us, and they had already known about it, and we're watching our buoy kind of cruise around trying to search for him. Uh, like a knucklehead and so yeah it was not good for us we got on the boat and 
John and I are just like, oh man, we're done for. Like, this is it. We lost the Air Force guy. We're going to be like the laughing stock. This entire class, this is awful. And that's exactly what happened. You know, we came back and uh, thankfully, you know, we thought we were going to get kicked out at that time because you get kicked out for anything. Um, instructors, uh, you know, beat the crap out of us. And, and uh, our punishment uh, was not getting kicked out, but it was almost worse. They had found this, uh, it had to have been a 200-pound, wet, nasty mooring line. These big, huge lines that are about six inches thick that the ships moor up to the pier with. And they had, they had looped it so it could go over the shoulder of each of us. And there was about a 25 to 30-foot length in between us. And we had to carry that because we lost our buddy. And so for the next week, anywhere we went, we had to carry this buddy line between us and it had shellfish on it. I mean, it was nasty. It stunk. And I was about the most miserable I'd ever been. Uh, I'd carry that thing everywhere, everywhere we went, whether we went to eat food, where we were doing the next evolution, going to the obstacle course, going on a four mile time run. We had to carry that thing. And it was freaking humiliating. Um, Thankfully, and I think John was thankful too, on like day five or something, I got super sick from, I don't know, from whatever was on that mooring line, some kind of nasty shellfish, disgusting, whatever. I got super sick. And um, and then, then they ended it after that. I think they realized that how bad it was. <laughs> we were getting cuts and scrapes and getting, you know, getting... Uh, getting all this infections all over us and so they i think they all of a sudden the rope disappeared one day and they never talked about it again <laughs> i don't know if they got in trouble for doing that but um i got super sick and the evolution was over anyway going back to the main point you can see how much stress uh can you know really lead you to all sorts of nasty thoughts in your head and that's what i kind of want to share with you with that that story um overthinking and in stressful situations can lead to all sorts of negative thoughts and lead you down just a tailspin. Um, thankfully, you know, we didn't get kicked out of training. That's where my mind went at the time. Oh man, this is all going to be horrible and we're going to get kicked out. And we were both convinced of it. Um, and that wasn't the case, of course. But what I want to do here, just kind of finish up the story and give you guys some practical tips on how to deal with stress, especially when it comes from overthinking because a lot of you are doing it um, whether you're in school taking tests whether you have some kind of life event or going through a season of just difficulty and pain um, stress comes but a lot of it comes from up in your mind thinking about all the bad things that can happen all right and so here's here's a few things that kind of I put together that that hopefully are going to help you um, because thinking about a problem can be a good thing right but uh your stress definitely goes up and you spend a lot of time thinking about it, right? Think about all the things that can go wrong. So here's some ways that, uh, they're going to help you stop overthinking and it's going to lower your stress. First one is, is really just be aware, right? Be aware of what you're stressed out about and that you're actually doing overthinking. Like, Hey, Justin, what are you, what are you doing, man? You're just stressing out about this thing. Um, and how are you responding to that situation at that time? Right? Just being aware um, and really the biggest thing is, you know, stop thinking of what is going to go wrong, but what could possibly go right from that situation. No matter what situation you're in, there's always something positive that can come out from that 
uh, whatever event has happened. And you focus on that. Because when you focus on the stress, you focus on fear. And that's when the negativity sets in. Okay? And you can become paralyzed by it. And you got to stop. You know, realize you're, you're going down a negative path. And hey, what, what could go right? If things go right, if I pass these tests and I do these things, man, it's going to be it's going to be great. Um, number three I have down here, distract yourself. And it may be funny that I say go exercise, but man, in my most stressful times, I disengage myself from the situation and I'll do something totally different. Hey, I'm going to go on a run. Hey, I'm going to go on a hike. Uh, I'm going to go and just do something totally different, whether it's go, you know, might go to the movies, watch, watch a movie or something like that, but do something that way you can remove yourself from it and that's going to help okay number four as i have on my list here put things in perspective ask yourself how much will the situation matter in six months in a month next week right is it really that big of a deal and identify what hey what's out of your control you know if you're waiting for the grades on a test you can't control that disengage from the situation and say hey it's going to be what it's going to be and i'm going to move on and go get my workout done i'm going to go do this other thing and when it's out of your control you just got to identify that and and move on okay big one here stop thinking about perfection in a situation a lot of you are overthinking things because you want it to be perfect you want the situation or you want the outcome to be perfect you want you know your your school paper to be perfect you want that uh that relationship to be perfect and you're overthinking every possible outcome um, when you should be thinking about just making progress just pushing forward um, and not perfection you're going to screw up along the way guaranteed um seeking perfection is, is just it's not the way to go um one tip here that i have down which actually works pretty good um is put a timer on this overthinking it's okay let your mind think about it but do a limit if somebody you can set a timer on your your iphone or your watch and like hey 10 minutes i'm gonna sit down but don't just think about it i'm gonna write down all the things that i'm thinking about and or you can schedule a time to reflect on that situation and at the end of that time disengage from it identify what you can control and what you can't and move on Okay, focus on the present. And the last couple items here. Stop projecting your your mind so far into the future that you come up with every negative situation that could happen. Focus on right now. What difference can you make in this very moment? And if it's nothing, it's nothing. If it's hey, I could call this one person and you know just say hey, I'm sorry, or I could remedy this situation by doing this, or I can get off my ass off the couch and actually go do something and feel better about myself. All right. Does that make sense? Focus on the present, what you can do now, not six weeks from now. That's what got me through SEAL training is not thinking about five months down the road of all the things I had to do. It's impossible. You know, I didn't up quitting. Just think about what can I do today to be the best that I can be. Okay. And sometimes that's only just 1% better. Last one here. Focus on active problem solving. What do I mean by that? Think about what you can solve and instead of asking, you know, why something happened, figure out the problems you can solve and act on it right then. That's going to help you out and that's going to give you little wins that you're going to feel good about and move forward in whatever problem that is. So, you know, all of us do it. 
all of us overthink when we have a stressful situation and all the things that could happen and use some of these uh, just tactics here in your life focus on the present active problem solving and letting go of things you just can't control that's going to help you out a ton all right i hope this helped you guys out i hope you enjoyed the story and uh if you want to contact me you can leave a message right here on this anchor app anchor.fm there's a message app you can leave me a message on or at last good fight on instagram and uh that's it for today see you